Galatians chapter 1, I began reading in verse number 1. And uh, Paul, an apostle, not of men. And uh, you're going to find out tonight that he immediately begins to deal with a problem at Galatia. Right after he says, Paul, an apostle, when he makes a statement, not of men, he is already addressing the problem that is at Galatia. Notice this. He said, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ. And God the Father who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Notice that tonight, that Galatia is not a singular church, but it is an entire region of churches that this letter is being written to. It's not one singular church, it is an entire region that he is writing to. Then notice this, he says, Grace and peace be from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel. Immediately, he goes right into the problem. We see it in verse number one. He clarifies to them, and you will find out that in that statement in verse number one, he is already addressing the problem at Galatia, not of men. And that's an issue here. We're going to see it in just a moment. Second Corinthians, about the entirety of that book, Paul is defending his apostleship. Look at this, verse number six. I marvel. Uh, that's probably, I mean, a pastor's statement right there. I marvel. Sometimes I sit back and I scratch my head. Man, there'll be folk come in, they'll be all fired up and singing it out and shouting. And then you can't find them. I mean, two or three weeks, man, where are they at? I thought you was excited. Matter of fact, in the last month, preacher, can we join the church? And my advice, I always say this, maybe you want to hang out for a little while and see how you like the church and see if you really agree with me before you just dive into this thing. Haven't seen them since, amen. They really had a desire to join the church. I marvel that ye are so soon removed from him that I called you uh, into the, the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Spiritual perverts. And uh, But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you uh, than that which ever preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, uh, than that ye have received, let him be accursed. Very serious letter tonight. Let's ask the Lord to bless. Father, we pray tonight that you bless. Lord, I know that it's hot. Lord, I know folk are tired. And Lord, I pray, God, we beg you, Lord, by the Spirit of God, that we'd be able to gain the attention of your people tonight. Lord, you'll just help somebody, bless them. Father, we'll give you the glory for it. Lord, this is a supernatural work, God, and I'm asking you to do that. Sweet Holy Spirit, Lord, I pray that you would enlighten us tonight. Your word would go forth in power. 
And God, you'd help your people to walk away with some meat from the word of God. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I want to try to get to the point tonight and and deal with this as we look at the book of Galatians and as we look at this and uh, dealing with this tonight and looking at Galatia, the region, looking at the Apostle Paul, the man of God. And I want to try to be very clear tonight. I want you to look with me in verse number eight. And I want to deal with our faith tonight. Have any of y'all ever prayed and asked God, God, would you increase my faith? Let me just ask it like this. Is everybody satisfied tonight with where you're at with God in your faith? I always get a laugh about this. Jesus told his disciples, said, if you had the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you could say unto this sycamine tree, be plucked up by the roots and be gone, and you could do it, amen. I've often thought I wish I had that kind of faith in the tree service business we do. I'd have the greatest tree service on planet earth, amen. I'd pull up the yard and I'd faith that thing out of the yard and wouldn't have to climb that. Hallelujah, I'd love that. And, uh, but I think about this thing of faith and uh, sometimes faith, some people think that it is a mystical blind step in the dark. I'm gonna say tonight, uh, living by faith is living by the word of God. Yes, we have a tangible book in our hand. Uh, I read it, I see it. Living by faith. How many of y'all believe this tonight by faith? Where do we know what is right and wrong tonight? How many of y'all, you wives, probably ought to shout right here tonight? Bible says, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now we believe that by faith tonight that God said that. Does anybody believe that? Bible says thou shalt not steal. Why don't we steal? God said not to steal. And we believe that by faith. Anybody believe that this is the word of God tonight? You believe that by faith, amen. I've dealt with folk, well, I don't believe that's the Bible and I don't believe that's God's word. Well, I can't help you, amen, until God enlightens you in that area. I'm asking you tonight, and as dealing with Galatians, let me lay a little foundation tonight and we'll go to the house. I want you to take note in verse number eight, Paul gives him instruction and there has been a major wave of false doctrine slide through and blow through the region of Galatia. It is Judaism, they are adding law to grace and they are stepping back into Judaism and Paul is very concerned about it. Matter of fact, number one tonight, I want you to see the seriousness of this letter. When Paul is writing to them, he's not a happy camper. When you read Galatians, Paul is upset, he's mad, he makes statements such as this. Matter of fact, in chapter number three, he starts out by saying, oh foolish Galatians, uh, who happy with you? He calls them foolish right there in verse number three. Then in chapter number four, he makes this statement in verse number 16. Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell the truth? I'm sure every pastor in here has felt like people's enemy when they tell them the truth. Man, you pour people out and you deal with their sin and you bring it to light, they'll get mad at you a lot of times. But as we read this and study this, he's not happy of the condition of the Galatian church. 
And he makes this statement in verse number eight. But though we or an angel preach any other gospel unto you. I wonder tonight how solid your faith really is. What would you do tonight if a glowing angel from heaven came to you and said, listen, this is not right. This is how it really is. And what if that angel was to tell you tonight something contrary from the word of God? How easy, I'm gonna tell you something, that would not be an easy test of our faith. Matter of fact, Mormonism, uh, Joseph Smith, and I may get some of this mixed up, I ain't studied it in a long time, said that John the Baptist appeared unto him and gave him a lot of what they believed. I'm gonna tell you something, according to what Paul is saying, if John the Baptist stood here in this pulpit tonight and preached unto you uh, salvation other than Jesus Christ, Paul said, let him be a curse. If Gabriel showed up in your church tonight and said there's another way of salvation, Paul said, let him be a curse. Paul went a step further. He said, if I show up and I start preaching anything other than what I preach to you, let me be a curse. Do you understand how solid that is tonight? Do you understand what kind of faith you would have to have if Gabriel showed up in your prayer closet glowing in his angelic beauty or a cherubim or a seraphim showed up and said, listen, Jesus is not the way. You better have solid faith tonight. Moses standing in the presence of Pharaoh throwed his staff down. It became a snake. Pharaoh's Egyptian magicians throwed their staffs down and they became snakes also. In the book of Jude, we have a great warning of apostasy and false doctrine. 2 Peter chapter number two uh, is one and the same as Jude, dealing with false prophets and things of that nature, how that they creep in church. In the day and hour that we've lived in too, there are massive waves of false doctrines uh, running through even our Baptist churches. I don't have time tonight, but even as I read tonight, uh, as we study, even amongst our ranks, there's this thing of uh, hyper-dispensationalism or ultra-dispensationalism and some of the preachers are preaching that from Hebrews to Revelation has nothing to do with us Gentiles, but it is written uh, to the Jews during the tribulation period. I feel sorry for the multitudes that Peter addressed and Paul addressed and others that addressed in the writings that that has nothing to do with them, but it was written for the tribulation Jews. Brother, I'm gonna tell you something. There is a massive wave tonight of false doctrines running through our churches and things that are not true tonight. Paul said that we are to avoid foolish and unlearned questions. I ask you tonight as a Baptist, I believe this. I'm not ashamed and I know some good brethren that are opposite and, and it's really not an area to break fellowship with, but man, we believe in eternal security. 
but I wish some of you lived like you didn't, amen. It caused a whole lot greater holiness in your life. Paul said, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? But Baptists take that as a license to do what they want to and oh, I'll just ask God to forgive me. Brethren, we better be very careful how we treat sin in our lives, amen. I believe in eternal security, the book of Hebrews tonight. I'm a very simple-minded filler. He is able to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. The word uttermost means furthest extent, as far as it is possible. I believe tonight, and I go on, and I don't want to sit down right there. What about your eschatology tonight? Eschatology is a fancy term for end-time studies, rapture, the second coming tonight, and things of that nature. Some of you could not take your Bible tonight and show us why you believe in a a rapture where God takes us out of here before things get nasty. What do you believe about the millennial reign? There are some that are premillennial. There are some that are all millennial. All millennialism is this. They believe that there is no millennial reign. Matter of fact, they believe that we're there right now. I'm going to tell you something. According to what I've read about the millennial, this is not the millennial reign. Amen. Somebody say amen right there. I was talking to a Jehovah's Witness one time and I was acting dumb, Brother Tony, which comes natural, amen. And uh, we were standing in an oil changing place there and I asked him, he was uh, talking to somebody about his false doctrine there and, and I just, I didn't tell him nothing. I played dumb and I said, mister, how do I get to heaven? And he looked at me and he said, son, what do you want to go to heaven for? I said, I, I always heard it's pretty good. I'd like to see it one of these days. And I was messing with him a little bit there. He said, why would you want to go to heaven? Can you not see that this earth is evolving into a better place? Now, I am not the saltiest cracker in the box tonight, but I can look out there and see uh, that this is not evolving into a better place tonight. It's getting worse. That is contrary to Bible. Paul said this, this know also uh, that in the last days perilous times shall come. We're seeing that church, amen. And tonight as we look, I wish I had time and man, we could look at soteriology and that's another fancy term for the doctrine of salvation and where you stand on that. Let me ask you tonight, do you believe that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Somebody say amen. Don't y'all be quiet right there. Anybody believe that Jesus Christ died on Calvary and that he shed his blood and he's the only way to heaven tonight? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But John made this statement in his epistle about doctrine and you'd have to read the entirety of it to understand the context of it. John said in his sacred epistle, he said, for many deceivers are gone out and entered in the world. I think he wrote Joel Osteen right there, amen. Uh, who confess not. And that may stump some of you up tonight. And I just hit a rabbit, so I might as well shoot him, amen. 
Joel Osteen, when confronted about homosexuality, and you can Google it, made the statement, that's not my place to deal with that. I don't deal with issues such as that. He's a false prophet is what the problem is. Benny Hinn is a false prophet tonight. Somebody say amen right there. Let me just hit that for a second. I'm going to tell you something. If I could heal somebody by hitting them in the head and I had the power to heal, you wouldn't have to give me a dime to do it tonight. You wouldn't have to put a television camera on me tonight. I'd be down at Greenville emptying that children's hospital out. I'd be at the cancer unit healing folk and it wouldn't take a dime to do it. Amen. Leroy Jenkins, we might as well laugh a minute. Some of y'all never heard of him. If you Google him, get ready for a laugh. Leroy Jenkins said God told him to buy a piece of property in Greenwood, South Carolina, and on that property would be a miracle well with miracle water, dig the well here, and for $19.99, you can get a pint of Leroy's miracle water. And the sad thing is the multitudes that are falling for that. The multitudes of this winds of doctrine and things that are going through our time. Now, what will it take to shake you and rock you off of your faith? I've thought about this and I've prepared myself for it. Satan can make himself an angel of light. And the generation that we've lived into, it's not about what people believe in the sense personally, but it's what the multitudes are saying. Somebody say amen right there. Amen. We've got winds of doctrine. We've got winds of doom in the air in this generation. You say, what do you mean? You know that California is working on passing a pedophile law right now? Did you hear that? You say, what is their pedophile law? They are trying to make it legal for an adult to be with a 12-year-old. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Somebody messes with my 12-year-old child like that, and we will turn the other cheek, and it will not be mine, I promise you. I will lose all Christianity in that area, and I will stand up for my family if you touch my children in such a manner as that, I promise you. And they're trying to legalize these things. The homosexuality in our generation, the transgender thing. Let me get some of you men fired up. I am telling you something. If I see one of them perverts go in the same bathroom that my wife is in, I'm going in that bathroom behind them and I'm watching everything that they do because there ain't no perverted devil going to stay in the same bathroom with my wife. Somebody say amen right there. The other day we was at the store in our community at Roscoe's and my wife was talking to another lady. Our soldier was in the same class with her that one year in public school and she was telling my wife how bad that it had gotten there at the, the Hillendale in our area. And it's one of the schools that's a little bit better and how that they've got in elementary school, how that they've got four transgender children in the elementary school and how that everybody in that school and how that the whole school is wrapping around trying to be careful and not make them angry. 
and their little girl, she's what, Becky, nine years old, was going into the bathroom and one of these transgender boys followed her into the bathroom and she said, "Uh uh-uh, not with this one. And she made a fuss about him going in the bathroom. Do you know who got in trouble? That girl got in trouble. New York City, confetti flying, shouting, praying, dancing around, excited. What's going on, New York? Why are you so excited? We can now take a child that is born, lay it out on the table, and decide whether we want to keep it or not, or if we want to kill the thing. What? Georgia. Man, we, we got some folk in here. Georgia, Alabama, we ought to probably go down there and shout around their state house, amen. Heartbeat bill passed in Georgia that when there is a heartbeat, that that child is considered a human and no more abortion. I say thank God, amen. Hollywood has said, and they're doing it. They've, they're pulling out of Georgia. They make a lot of movies down there. And uh, Hollywood has said, we're pulling out. The governor said, go ahead. We don't need your money. We don't need your filth. We don't need your hell. Don't don't let the door hit you on the way out, amen. Amen. How solid do you stand on what you believe tonight, amen? How firm are you? Uh, What's the winds of false doctrine? Will it shake you tonight? What does it take to stop you in your faith? A lot of popularity stops a lot of people, does it not? I don't care how popular homosexuality gets. It may not be as bad down here, but we live in Sodom and Gomorrah up there. Asheville is considered, we live Hendersonville and it's blowed over into Hendersonville. You cannot go to the grocery store. You cannot make one trip to our town anymore without seeing a lesbian or a homosexual. Does anybody see this? I can't say everything that's on my heart tonight. They had that big women's rally up in Washington, D.C. And the women are parading around in Washington. And I don't want to go into detail. Some of you know what happened. They were wearing things on their head, private things. Marching around the streets of Washington and them women got up there and talked like a bunch of filthy, nasty, ungodly women. Y'all with me tonight? There's a lot of false doctrine being thrown around in our generation. There's a lot of wicked things that our kids are going to grow up under. And let me ask you something. How solid your faith Paul wrote, and I'm going to wind this down real quick tonight. Look with me, John told this. He said, for many deceivers are entered into the world who confess not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh. This is a deceiver and an antichrist. Look to yourselves 
and lose not those things which we have wrought, uh, but that we receive a full reward whatsoever. And he goes on down through there. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not in your house, neither bid him God's peace. John said, don't even say God bless you to him. Amen. What? That's pretty strong, is it not, church? I was talking to a black Muslim one time and he is acting all kind of peaceful and this, that, and the other. Don't let nobody fool you. These Muslims are trouble. Amen. That thing up in uh, Minnesota needs to be run out of our country, sent back to her country with her false doctrine and her hell. Yes, amen. It gets me fired up, hallelujah. They hate our nation. They hate our God. And I'm telling you what, I had that black Muslim tell me that his God was my God. He said, they're the same God. I said, no, they're not. Let me ask you something. Does all have a son by the name of Jesus Christ that died on Calvary? He said, no. I said, he's not the same God. Does he have a son that died and resurrected again? Thank God. And he's in heaven seated by him in one day of ruling reign. No, it's not the same God. Look at this tonight. Let, let me get in the message. Paul is writing to them, the winds of false doctrine has shook an entire region. He's writing, I want you to notice number one tonight, man, as Paul is writing to them, we see the seriousness of this letter and the soberness, but I want you to notice the sincerity of this letter tonight. Paul is not just standing up and barking out orders and Paul's not just being rude, but I'm gonna tell you something, this is a crowd that Paul loved. Man, we find that the church of Galatia and these churches, Paul went on his first missionary journey Acts chapter number 13 they were called out the Holy Ghost ordained them they went up they went up through the region of Galatia preaching in those cities and preaching in those towns and somebody said this about the Gauls they were Gauls and even Caesar said that they were a very fickle people they were up and down and when you study Paul's missionary journey that's the truth one in the morning they was calling them gods and trying to worship them and then that night they stoned him and left him for dead. Some of you are so up and down. Some of you are so fickle in your faith. One Sunday you're just plumb fired up. Up and down. And I know that the spiritual life has its ups and downs, but you know what you can be through every bit of that? Consistent. Some of you are so fickle in your salvation, you have confessions, you can't ground it, you can't get it settled. You need to get settled on what you believe. You are not, you are rendered powerless tonight if you cannot even get it settled that you're saved. You'll spend the rest of your Christian life wrapped up in doubt, wrapped up in that Satan will keep you defeated over there. You'll never gain victory. You'll never get help. You'll stay defeated and you'll be worthless in the cause of Christ. Some are so fickle. Some are so fickle that to be the pastor of this fickle person, I'll just be honest with you, I'm a pastor, I ain't a great pastor. Got some of our folk here. But some people are so fickle and so up and down, they are a burden to pastor. 
Now, you might not say that, but I'll say it. I had a gentleman one time, and God bless his soul, about every other week he'd come to me and he'd pull me aside, preacher, I'm mad at you. I'm so mad at you. And I learned just, yes, sir, brother, can I help you? Now, y'all just stay with me a moment. And I'm going to get somewhere. Y'all bear with me. They were ready to worship them that morning. And then by the nightfall, they stoned him and left him for dead. Some of y'all's Christianity is just like that. We can have a good service. You can have a good service Sunday morning. You're ready to go tell the world about Jesus. And then by the time the Sunday night service gets, you don't even want to go. Does anybody know what I'm talking about tonight? I know this ain't a shouting message. It's a very serious message. And it gets down to where we're at. Some of you are fickle in your prayer life. You're fickle in your Bible study life. You're fickle in your witnessing. You're, you're up and down about it. You're in and out. And we all have this problem where we're flesh and we're troubling, we're weak. I'm telling you, some of you need to get the victory tonight. Look at this. I'm wrapping this up. When they went into Galatia on that first missionary journey, keep this in mind, about A.D. 45 was the time period. A.D. 45, now keep that in your mind. From A.D. 45 to around A.D. 48. We see that, Acts chapter number 13 and 14. Paul visits them again on his second missionary journey. When Paul and Barnabas had that falling out about John Mark and they got upset at each other and they went separate ways and what Paul did was went the opposite way he did on his first missionary journey and he went up and he went around and he dove back into Galatia and there was a reason he went to Galatia. There was a young man by the name of Timothy there, Timotheus, Paul's son in the faith and Paul goes through there and he grabs Timothy and he takes Timothy on that second missionary journey with him. So along his way, he's strengthening the brethren. He's preaching to them. He's helping them. And the Bible says that. They had the first step. What amazes me about the first missionary journey is he went through there. Man, they stoned him, left him for dead, run him out of town. They treated him terrible. And when he left, he went right back through every one of those cities to establish them in the faith. You say, what's the sincerity of it? He loved them. Do you know your preacher loves you tonight and wants the best for you? Do you understand that tonight? It's not your money we want. It's not anything such as that. It's not your goods we want tonight. But it is you we want. I want to see my folk walking in victory. I want to see my folk taking steps in prayer and new heights that they've never known. And I'm going to see my people get in, hallelujah, and enjoy the presence of God. And I'm going to watch my people walk by faith and make it, amen. Is that not our desire, Brother Philip? Preacher wants me to fall flat on my face. Wrong. When you study Paul, it was like he would write to them after the first introduction to them and he would write them about going a step further, being established in the faith, being rooted and grounded in the things of God. 
Some of us could quote, and I like sports. When I say this, let me make this, I like sports, amen. I like watching football. I like watching them bleed. I, I like watching them fight. I really like to watch them bleed, amen. Hockey, when they knock each other's teeth out, and I'm not a big hockey fan, but I like it, amen. But some of us could name where they went to high school at, their college career, their stats. But when we ask you something about God, you scratch your head. Somebody down on the job, what, I, mean, I mean really, if somebody come down to you on the job tomorrow and said, sir, ma'am, what must I do to be saved? Hold on a sec, let me get my preacher. What? And I'm not against folk bringing people to the preacher. Matter of fact, Bridger, he's not here tonight, but Bridger's been all excited about this young man that he works with. And, and Bridger came by our job purposely to bring that boy by so that I would witness to him. And I did not want to disappoint Bridger, and I wanted to tell that boy about God. And it was one of them situations where the door just wasn't open, so, bro, I just kicked it open, Amen. I started telling that boy how I got saved and John got saved and how God worked in our life and Bridger was standing over there doing this where he couldn't see him going like this right here and grinning real big like Bridger does and Bridger was excited about it and we told that boy about God, amen. But if somebody approached you tomorrow, what must I do to be saved? That probably about dumb found me, amen, because I'll be honest with you, you don't hear that much anymore. Look at this. He loved them. He revisits them on his second missionary journey around AD 50. Acts chapter number uh, 18 in Paul's third journey. Look what the Bible says. Let me read this to you. I'm closing this up tonight. Acts chapter number 18 and verse number 23, the Bible says this. And Paul's on this third missionary journey and he saws right by. And the Bible says here in verse 23, and after he spent some time there, he departed and went over all the country of Galatia and Perga in order strengthening all the disciples. He loved them. He went through there. We're seeing this third time that he's been through there. And we find that in Acts, it's established in chapter, or in A.D. 45-48, but I want you to notice tonight that this letter is written around A.D. 58. About 10 years later, 11 years later, this wind of doctrines come thrown through and has knocked them off their rocker. And now they are wobbling in the wind and they're following another faith. They've added law to faith. Paul spends the entirety of that time, and I'm getting somewhere, I'm going to drop this bomb on you tonight. You read Galatians chapter number one and two, he's, he's proven his apostleship. He said, listen, you can read it for yourself. He said, listen, when I got saved, he gives a chronological order of when he got saved. 
He tells them the events that happened in his life and what he's doing, he's making clear. Now listen, I seen none of the apostles. I did not talk to them. Peter didn't, I didn't sit down with Peter and what he's telling them, I did not receive this. I didn't receive what I'm preaching from man. Neither was I taught it by man, but by direct revelation. What that means is, is what Paul was preaching, Jesus Christ himself told it to him, sat down with Paul and gave him the gospel and revealed it to him. And that's why in the very first verse he says, not of men. Jesus gave this to me personally. And what I'm preaching to you is not a lie. And if I come saying anything else, let me be accursed. I've told my church many times, Brother Mark, Brother Glenn's here, the deacons of our church. And I've told them, I said, brethren, if I start preaching somebody contrary to that Bible, you guys run me out of here. And rightfully so. Look at this. So Galatians is written around A.D. 58. And he goes through all this rebuke. But I'm glad, here we are, we're, we're bringing this to a head. When everybody else was fickle, when everybody else, would, I, if you have a prayer request in your church, who's the person you would go to? Every church has got them. Somebody you know that is solid in their prayer life when somebody asks you to pray for something, do you know what an honor that is? That's an honor. I probably ought to shout all over this church tonight. We got a boy working for us. I was his daddy's gas pump preacher. So what's that mean? Was always getting fuel at the same time down at the local store. And I'd always talk to this boy's daddy. And I'd always tell him, I am praying for your boys. I wound up preaching that man's funeral through that. And today, one of his boys is working for us. And one of them boys sits on the church pew at our church on Sundays, hallelujah. I watched that boy climb out of the skitter the other day. I'm talking about a boy that stuck needles in his arm for over 12, 13 years. And brother, I watched that boy climb out of the skitter the other day. I could hear Rudy Smith in the background preaching. And he is crying and saying, ain't God good, amen. amen. What a blessing. In all that rebuke, and all this, Galatians, is a rough book when you really read it. But look at this. Look with me in chapter number 6. Thank God for a crowd that will stick with the stuff. Amen. Thank God for a crowd that the preacher can call on. Thank God for somebody dependable. Amen. Thank God for somebody solid. You know they're going to be there. They're going to be there Sunday morning, Sunday night. And when they're not there you know something's wrong. And when they're not there, and Brother Ansel, your wife's not here tonight, but you tell her I commended her in front of everybody. She called me up the other day, said, Preacher, we're not going to be able to make church. Anytime they're not going to be able to come to church, Miss Ann calls me, and she don't have to do that. But she does that out of consideration of her pastor. Because you know what? The first thing I'll do if somebody don't show up, man, what's wrong? 
Are they all right? Is something happened? Are they mad? Up, down? What's going on? But I want to commend the crowd that's there. And I want to say thank you. I mean that. Man, we got some of our folk here tonight. Thank you. You say, I ain't much, preacher. Well, I know the ones I'm looking at. Miss Joanne sitting back there, been through knee surgery and everything else. And she said, preacher, I cannot wait to get back to church. Hallelujah for the faithful. And in the midst of that rebuke, and in writing to an entire region of false doctrine coming through, listen what he says in chapter 6. He said, brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual. There was still a crowd that Paul could call on in Galatia that was spiritual. Matter of fact, I'll close and say this. I'm closing and bringing it to it. I'm trying. Y'all bear with me tonight. There's a lot to this, but we can read tonight and you can study. Man, you can look and you can find out that 2 Timothy, this was written in uh, AD 58. 2 Timothy was written in AD 66. And in that letter, Paul addresses a crowd. Man, a wave of false doctrine had come through there. And in 2 Timothy, Paul's writing to Timothy and he says, when I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice. Ben, I'm telling you, they had an unfeigned faith. They made it through that wave of false doctrine. He commends them for that. They've got a faith that is unfeigned. Look at this. The word unfeigned means this. Undisassembled. Sincere. Without dissimulation. Hypocrisy, a faith that cannot be tore apart. Jesus told Peter, Satan hath desired thee sift thee as wheat. He wants to tear you apart and see what you're made of. Do you have an unfeigned faith tonight? How easily persuaded are you? Oh, foolish Galatians. Man, he got on to them, church. But there was still a crowd that stayed by the stuff. Matter of fact, I'll show you how much God cared about them. And of course, I'm fixing to read a book to you that's not written to you. It's written to Jews in the tribulation. Y'all smile right there because I'm being sarcastic. The book of 1 Peter. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia. Peter's letter was not just sent to Jews, but it was sent to entire regions. In Asia, the seven churches of Asia that were written to by Jesus Christ himself, were written to by Peter. And in that, Galatia was written to. And when you read 1 Peter, son, they had enough to solid up their faith. 2 Peter's a little bit different, and Peter said this. Say, preacher, well, how do I strengthen up my faith? Have any of y'all ever prayed like this and said, Lord, strengthen my faith? And you get up from your prayer looking for this new sensation, a new faith. Somebody say amen right there. Somebody help me. 